Welcome to the Sunday Monday Show, a podcast about being bold in faith, work, and life. I'm your host, Jane Kennedy. Let's get down to business. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Sunday Monday Show. This is our 60th episode. I cannot believe we are at 60 episodes. So if this is your 60th episode or you are here for the first time, welcome. I'm so grateful to have you here. So excited um, to be celebrating this milestone with you all. The Sunday Monday is a passion project of mine. It allows me to talk about the things I love, which is the intersection of faith, um, work, and life and how we can grow in our faith, grow in sanctity in all three of these places in our lives. And, um, you know, I've always known that our work and our faith is so interconnected, but the Sunday, Monday, this podcast and this community have really given me the chance to hear from wonderful people, continue to grow in my understanding um, of faith and work, and yeah, just have a lot of fun. I mean, it's just been so much fun. Every time I sit down at this microphone, it's a fun time. And so I just want to thank you for being here and thank you for um, getting us all the way here. This is really exciting. As is our custom, every 10 episodes, I like to do a question and answer episode. Basically, I put out um, a call on the email and Instagram for questions that you all have about um, the Sunday Monday, about faith, about work, about life, about me. Um, and it's fun to just kind of see what kinds of questions come up, usually kind of based on some of the past few episodes we've done. So excited to do this with you all today. Um, and yeah, let's just jump right in. So the first question I got was about um, the virtue of the month, which is something I've done for kind of a couple years now on and off. Um, there have been seasons of it that were that were better or, or, or less great. But the question is, I remember you talking about a virtue of the month challenge. What does that look like and how do you do that? So... Basically, this started actually in 2020, um, and I decided that I wanted to grow in virtue by picking a, a virtue every month and doing something very tangible, very simple to grow in that virtue. So for example, um, I picked the virtue of fortitude. And so every time I wanted to just quit right at the end of something, or like if I was going for a run and usually walk to the last block, I would make myself run the last block. Or I would make myself, um, if I was just over a project or needed to submit something for work, I would review it one more time. And so the whole idea was that everything I did in that month was very focused on fortitude and ending strong and doing it with strength and courage. Um, I also chose the virtue of trust and I um, uh, would focus on one line from the litany of trust, which is from the Sisters of Life every day. So every day I would sit down and, and pray through one of those lines. I think there were 30 of them exactly. Um, and so that was a really good one. Um, I have done patience, which is a great virtue to grow in and something that's definitely difficult. Um, I've done all sorts of virtues throughout the years. And so it's a really cool it's a really cool um, practice because it allows you to focus on one virtue by doing one thing specifically. Um, and and because you're not overwhelming yourself with all these different ideas and all these different promises and fasts and you know additions to your life, you're allowing yourself to really melt into that virtue and allow that virtue to just kind of um, pervade your life. So how I would recommend doing this is think about and pray about maybe some of the virtues that you want to grow in and then pick a very tangible way to practice that. And you can do this on your own. You can do this with a spiritual director. Um, you're more than welcome to shoot me a virtue if you're interested. And, and I can tell you if there's, if I've done a virtue challenge with it. 
Um, but the whole idea is to pick something um, that is relevant. And, and another thing I would really highly encourage you to do is to pray about it and just pray about, Lord, what are the virtues that I should be growing in? What virtues do, do you think I can continue to grow in? And then how do you see that happening? Um, so, for example, a virtue that I have used uh, or have focused on quite a few times is just the virtue of um, like persistence and perseverance in prayer. And so something that was really helpful to me in that um, has been plugging my phone in in my bathroom overnight. And so in the morning when I wake up, I go straight to pray and I pray for, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, however long I can in that morning um, before looking at my phone. And this is actually a really great way to start the day because instead of starting the day thinking about the texts I've gotten and the emails I've gotten, I actually get to start the day with Jesus praying through um, what's right in front of me instead of thinking about how I'm going to respond or, you know, all the things coming up that day. Um, So pick a virtue and then pick a very simple uh, way to live that virtue and then do that every day for a month. You will be so surprised. I'm, I'm always just blown away by how much can change in a month. And usually by the end of the month, I actually decide to keep that virtue challenge going and then add an additional one. Um, So what it does is it allows you to grow that muscle of virtue. Um, And so many of these, again, are, are gifts of grace, but they also require training the will. And so when we give ourselves the opportunity to very tangibly um, grow in virtue, we just see, first of all, um, how much we're able to do when we just ask the Lord for the grace to grow in virtue and also how much we can do when we focus on just one thing at a time. So that's an overview of the virtue challenge. I'm actually doing it again now. Um, I'm going through um, the four cardinal virtues. So I'm starting with prudence. This is August. So I'm doing prudence. And then next month is justice. Maybe next month is fortitude. The next month is justice. And then the last month, which is November, will be um, temperance. So that's my, my virtues upcoming for the year. And it's really cool because prudence is kind of a tricky virtue to focus on. It's a tricky virtue to think about, um, you know, doing things intentionally. But for me, what I've really been focusing on um, has been being prudent in my words and, you know, really recognizing that words have the power to um, give or destroy life. And so am I using my words in a way that um, empowers people, that is honest, that is good? Am I using my words out of kindness? Am I using my words to speak truth? Um, are there things that maybe I just don't need to say? That's, you know, a great practice of prudence. Um, but that's what my virtue challenge looks like this month. So hopefully that was helpful. If you have any other questions about it, let me know. But it really um, has been a beautiful practice and something that's made um, my life much, much richer. The second question, which I thought was really, really nice was, um, how are you doing? Which I don't think I've ever gotten <laughs> in a Q&A. Um, but this is very sweet. I'm doing great. Um, I'm about to wrap up my summer internship, move back to New York for school, start a new school year. Um, a lot of change is coming in the next few months, and it is really exciting. Um, but I've really just been trying to live in the present, which can be very hard when you're like, okay, well, in two weeks I'm moving, and then I have to do this thing and that thing. And um it, there's just, there's just so much that can be going on and so much that can feel overwhelming. Um, but I, yeah, have just really been trying to focus on being present in the moment, enjoying my last few weeks in DC, enjoying my friends. Um, I'm also in the, in the middle of training for a marathon. My marathon is, um, 
at the beginning of November. So that's been taking up a lot of my time and mental energy of just kind of feeling like, how do I get enough sleep and how do I get my miles in? And, um, you know, I feel like every long run, I want to do a whole podcast actually on the marathon training and what that's taught me about faith because it's taught me a lot. Um, because yeah, there's a lot to be said for the, the struggle of like waking up and running and, and seeing, um, you know, mileage goals at the end of the week and feeling like how the heck am I supposed to run 12 miles this Saturday? Um, but it's very empowering and very cool for me to, to experience the, the strength of my own body and how, um, so much of it is so mental. It's just this mental, I I had this block, like a few, um, I guess it must've been over a month or so ago where I was like, I could never run five miles. And now like I'm five miles as my base every, every time I run. So it's just like watching my body, you know, get stronger and my mind, I think start to really believe that I can do this has been very, very cool. So long story short, a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, a lot of it very challenging, but all of it good and just trying to be present and joyful where I am. Okay. Question number three, what has been the biggest adjustment between full-time school and full-time work? Um, good question. I probably should have thought these through and written some answers down before I did this, but things have been so wild. I just got back from a trip to California. I'm just recording this and getting it out, um, for tomorrow. Um, biggest adjustment. I would say that the biggest adjustment is that I have gotten a lot more being in school. You have a lot more, um, I think control over your time and control over the things that you're doing. So for me, I feel very much like in school, you know, I had the freedom to sleep in if I wanted to, or, um, go to an event if I wanted to, but I also had, you know, some days that were totally free. Um, I had Friday, Saturdays and Sundays off this upcoming fall. I have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So it's like, there was a lot, there was a lot less of like, um, okay, let me phrase it this way with work. You're expected from eight 30 in the morning until like six or six 30 at night to be working on work, no matter like how much you have to do, no matter like if, if it's slow, if it's fast, um, you always need to be working. And for me in my internship, there have been days that are crazy and there's so much going on. And those I think are so fun for me because I feel like the whole time is used and I feel like it's just really exciting and really fun. But then when I have days that are slower, I'm kind of just like, okay, like I just would like to, you know, sleep in and go get groceries because, you know, there's not as much on my plate today. Um, And I don't feel like you can do that in a job like you can with an internship or like if, if I've been traveling and I'm exhausted and I want to take a nap, I can't do that right now because I'm working full time, but I could do that when I was in school. So I think it's kind of that loss of autonomy over your time. Um, and I'm someone who like, I work very quickly. I'm pretty efficient and I don't really like wasting time. And so I think that having to get back into the mindset of like, the Lord has called me to working at this stage of my life and at this state of my life. Uh, and work is good, right? Like work is a great place to grow in sanctity and joy and holiness. Um, and because of that, when I am at work, I'm expected to be at work and to be doing work. Um, even if I feel like I'd rather be doing something else. And so it's kind of having to die to myself again and learning how to do that. Um, because that's often what work is, right? Like it can be really fun and it is really fun a lot of the time. Um, but there are also, it involves doing things you don't really want to do and life involves doing things you don't want to do. So 
I think um, just having to remember that um, after being a student for a year where basically I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. Um, it's like, it's pretty hard. So that's what I'm growing in. Very excited to get back to school. Um, and I think I will be a lot more prepared for this when I graduate, knowing how hard it's been for me to just kind of like get back in that rhythm of work. Um, I think I'll be able to be hopefully better prepared. I don't know. We'll see. We'll report back. Um, check in in a year. (laughs) Um, okay. Question number four, how, um, well, the question is stated, how to recover from a massive mistake at work. Um, we have all made massive mistakes at work, um, including your boss, including the people who maybe are making fun of you or judging you for making a mistake. Um, no one is exempt from making mistakes at work. So what I would say is the first thing is is take ownership, but but don't take ownership of everything and just be like, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like take ownership of exactly what you did. So say, for example, this is an example of something that I, I thought it was the biggest mistake ever in my first job. Um, it was my job to manage the budget for this huge event. And we found out that something was going to be almost twice as expensive as we thought. And we didn't have that buffer in the budget. And so I needed to like, one, articulate that to my team and let them know that we had a shift in the budget. But I wanted to come to them with the solution as well. And so I remember feeling like, okay, this is really stressful. This is really hard. How do we do it? Um, And I found another area of the event that we could cut some costs and move them around. And so that was the decision that I I made in this. I was very stressed out. And I came in and I apologized for what I knew I had to apologize for, which was, hey, this ended up being double what we expected. It was because we didn't know that this was a, you know... Um, an issue with the venue. Um, Now that we know that we're going to be able to like um, do these things, it's good that we figured it out now because we still have a couple months before the event. And here's how we're going to make up that deficit in funding. Um, So I I basically came to my team. I apologized for the mistake I had made, but not for like, I didn't just say, oh, I'm sorry, this is a mess. I don't know what to do. I said, here's exactly what the mistake was and here's how we're going to fix it. Um, And I think that when you make a mistake, that's really all you can do, right? Like really all you can do is apologize for your part in it and take action to make it better, whatever that looks like. So don't get overwhelmed. I know it's so stressful, especially the first time you make a big mistake at work. It can be really embarrassing. Um, I know for me, it really hurt my feeling of like my identity because this was the first big event that was mine and that I was managing. Um, and so my identity felt really challenged. Like I was the kind of person who didn't make mistakes and now I made a mistake. And so you have to kind of work through the identity piece of it. Um, apologize for your part in it, try to solve it and then figure out how you're going to prevent it from happening again. Um, the good news is when you make a massive mistake, you usually won't make it again because you're kind of terrified you will make it again. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking for consolation, hopefully that counts, but, but yeah, I would just say take ownership of what you did, um, and know that this happens to everyone and everyone has made big mistakes. Um, virtually nothing is, um, you know, unrecoverable. Uh, so, so just take solace in the fact that everybody makes mistakes. Okay. Question number five, I want to find a new job, but my current team is so judgmental and I know they'll say awful things after I go. Okay. Um, well, for starters, if you're working with a group of people who is not who uh, and that group is not invested in your growth and your success and your opportunities, then that's probably not a good group of people to be around. Um, so I would say that 
if you're thinking about looking for a new job and this is your situation, look, look faster. Like you don't want to be around those people. Um, it is true that sometimes, you know, unfortunately when you leave a job, people will say things about you. Um, they'll blame things on you. They'll, you know, say things that maybe aren't true. Um, and that's one of those things. Again, we talked a little bit about identity here, but we just have to be able to let go of that and know that if you're leaving the job and going to something else, the people who matter in your life and the people who care about you and the people who want the best for you are going to support that. And they're going to be the people who are cheering you on. They're going to be the people who want to see you succeed. Um, and so I would say, find yourself a new job, sign the offer. And, you know, I I would say really pay attention when you are looking for a new job to the way that the team you're interviewing with treats one another or maybe even talks about the person who left. So this is this is really helpful to be like, okay, like tell me about the person who was in the job before me. What did they do well? What were some areas they could have improved on? And you can hear how they're talking about their colleague to to you, a virtual stranger. Um, and that can give you a lot of hints um, about any red flags that might um, exist in the way that they treat people or talk about people because you want to figure that out quickly so you don't find yourself in another situation where people are judgmental and um you know cutting people down okay the next question is how do you decide which young adult group to join i just moved to a new city and there are a few choices um well congratulations on your move that's very exciting yeah i think um joining young adult groups is a very interesting process because if you're in a city that has more than one that's very cool Um, And they all will typically have their own vibes. So my recommendation is the following. First, join a young adult group. I'm assuming you're a woman who sent this question in. Um, I looked at your Instagram profile, looked like you're a woman. So I would say find girlfriends. Like that's your priority in a young adult group, especially when you move to a new place. Find women to do Bible study with, find women to pray with, find women to go to mass and brunch with, like really build up your female friendships. Because I think the biggest mistake I see happen in young adult groups is that women and men will join for the purpose of finding their spouse. And so if they can't find like cute boys or cute girls, they don't go back. The most fruitful and good young adult experiences that I've had had to do with finding girls and girlfriends who were going to help me grow in my faith, um, grow in friendship, and um, and those were the most valuable experiences I had. I'm, I can say this because I also definitely went to young adult groups looking for cute guys. Like that is a truth, especially when you move to a new city and there's new people and you want to date and you want to get out there, like going to a young adult group is not a bad place to meet somebody, but it should not be the priority. And that is because I have seen this happen so many times where a girl moves to a new city, joins a young adult group, meets a guy the first time, second time she goes, starts dating them. And then four or five months later, they break up. And all of a sudden she finds herself in this city with no girlfriends, um, no Bible study, like no support other than maybe the people that that guy had introduced her to. And so it is so important to prioritize your girlfriends and your friendships because those are the people that will still, will, will be there, you know, no matter if the guy that you meet at young adult group and that relationship happens or doesn't, you really do want to invest in your friendships. 
so that is my soapbox for the young adult groups. Go for the girlfriends, or if you're a guy listening to this, go to meet some great men. Get yourself in a Bible study, get yourself in a small group or a praise and worship group or whatever you can find, but go to the big group events, but do whatever you can to get into the smaller ones, whether that's invitations or signing up for a Bible study or walking with purpose, whatever that is, put yourself in situations where you can build friendships and relationships because those are going to be the most valuable um, relationships that you're building in a young adult group. And if you meet a cute guy or a cute girl, that's amazing. Fantastic. Um, but it's really nice to have good girlfriends um, or great ma- male friends from your young adult group. So that's the recommendation I have. Um, in terms of choosing one, I would just say, I, I think that you can have very hot and cold experiences with different groups. So what I would do is maybe for the first few weeks or the first month or so, go check out a few of them and then pick one that you want to invest in and go to that one every week for 10 to 12 weeks, like a financial quarter. Just just, just pick, say there's one that's on Tuesday, Tuesday nights, go every Tuesday night, you know, uh, lock that in on your calendar, go every single week, make friends, start going to smaller group events, go to mass there, like choose a parish and be super duper intentional about attending it. It doesn't have to be your parish forever. In fact, when I moved to DC, I actually went to a parish in Virginia that was well known for its young adult groups. Um, first time I was there, met two great girls, um, joined a walking with purpose study there, would go to mass there on the weekends. Um, and that was really good for me because I was deeply investing in one parish. About five months later, six months later, I started going to a different parish um, here in DC and then COVID hit and everything blew up. But um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be your parish forever, but it is really good, especially when you're brand new to a city, to set down roots, to go weekly, to meet people and to you know start recognizing people's faces, go to mass, go to brunch. Um, it's just It's just really great to invest and I'm saying that because I have been definitely guilty of like going to different lots of different groups just to figure out like who are my people and what do they do but they're the the relationships I have built by deeply investing in a parish have been so beautiful and so fruitful and I would highly recommend doing that so hopefully that's helpful let me know if you need any other uh, advice on young adult groups I think we did a whole episode on young adult groups pretty early on like episode four or five or something so you can also go and listen to that okay Last question. Um, what does your 30 minutes of prayer look like? What, what a question. Um, you know, honestly, it looks different every, every morning. I would say the most common is that I sit in silent prayer for 10 to 15 minutes, just praying through the day before, um, praying through anything that's on my mind. Um, I often ask the Lord Jesus, what, what do you want to talk about today? Um, and that leads to some pretty fruitful prayer. Depending on how that's going, I will then um, open the Gospels. I'll either pray with the Gospel of the day or I will, um, depending on what I prayed about, go find the Gospel that, you know, relates to that. Um, I also love Jesus Calling. If things are really feeling dry, I'll go read the Jesus Calling entry for that day. You can get the book or you can Google it. Like if you Google Jesus Calling August 15th, it'll pop up. And that's usually helpful. It also will will link to different scripture that relates to it, which is great. Um, what else? I'll sometimes do spiritual reading. I typically try to do that after the first 30 minutes of prayer. So if I have more time in the morning, I'll pick up a book and read it. Um, I'm reading Joseph Pieper's The Four Cardinal Virtues right now for my aforementioned virtue challenge. Um, and that's that's typically what my morning prayer looks like. 
I also try to pray the rosary every day, whether I'm walking somewhere or at night, I'll pray it. Um, when I'm in transit, I love praying the rosary in an Uber or on the train or on a plane. Um, one, because it's just like a very good time to just disconnect, but also people around you see you praying it and it can start a lot of cool conversations. Um, and then in the evenings I pray with my constellations and desolations. So I write two little lists, um, right next to each other. And the constellations are the moments I felt close to God. And the desolations are the moments that I maybe felt far away or put myself in a situation where I wasn't, um, you know, choosing to be close to God. So that is my prayer. And, um, I also try to get to mass every day. Um, thankfully I live in an area where there's mass, um, in the mornings at noon and in the evenings. So that's pretty easy. Um, New York is the same. There's churches on every corner. So yeah, that's what my prayer life looks like. And, um, I'll say that the prayer times at the morning and in the evenings are real anchors for my day. And so is the getting the rosary in and getting to mass. So that's what works for me. Different things work at different seasons of life. There are some days where I can um, get to mass easily, especially if I'm working from home. There's a bit more flexibility. Um, and there are certain days where everything just gets messy. And the best I can do sometimes is, is a decade of the rosary and, um, you know, asking for the grace and the time to, <laughs> to be able to do more the next day. But um, I think a key to it is just not comparing, um, not comparing yourself against others, not comparing yourself to maybe the way you used to pray in college or at a different stage of life. Um, and just to be, to be present to the Lord. I think that if we do our best to be intentional about prayer and the sacraments, we are going to be able to, um, to find joy in that. And the Lord will give us the grace to make it happen. Okay. That's it. This is episode 60 question and answers. Thank you for sending them in. I really appreciate them. Um, again, I love you all. I really appreciate you. Thanks for being here. We are getting revved up for our fall season. I have some amazing guests um, lined up and I cannot wait to have some guests back. This has been really like a summer of solo episodes, which I love because it means I can do them literally at any time um, and I don't have to coordinate. But I also think that there is just something so fun about getting to talk to a friend of mine about their experiences with faith, work and life. And so very excited to get back into that um, this fall. But please know that I'm praying for you. Um, I'm so grateful for you. And I hope that this episode has blessed you. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, all right, get back to work. I love you all. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Sunday Monday Show. If you liked it, if you enjoyed it, if you learned something, we would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend. Shoot it in a text, post it on social media, whatever you want to do. Sharing these episodes helps more people find them. And while you're doing that, if you could rate and review these episodes, that would also be so appreciated. If you're looking for more, you can follow us on Instagram at the Sunday Monday underscore or visit us online at www.thesundaymonday.co where we have tons of articles and free resources designed to help you be bold in your faith, work, and life. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. Get back to work. I love you all. Bye. Thank you.